The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Hello, good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. I'm Linda Schub, your host for this episode, and we are kicking off. This is the second episode in our 2015 series, and we're very excited to be bringing you some interesting topics this year and some fascinating guests. I'm delighted today to be here with two guests in San Diego from the Toussaint Academy. We have Danielle Bush, the program manager, and Mark Lim, the activities coordinator. Uh, thank you, Danielle and Mark, for being here with me. Thank you for having us. Yes, let me give um, our listening public a little bit of information about what the Toussaint Academy is. Um, and our discussion today is focused on housing homeless teens and the many challenges and opportunities that come along with that. Um, in San Diego, California, some of you may have heard of Father Joe's Villages, which is a well-known multidisciplinary support agency caring for the poor and the homeless. The Toussaint Academy, and that's Toussaint as in the artist, um, the Toussaint Academy is a critical partner of Father Joe's Villages in that it provides support and opportunities for at-risk youth who have faced unimaginable challenges in their lives. The mission of the Toussaint Academy is to assist homeless, homeless youth to reach self-sufficiency by providing a safe and stable living environment and a continuum of education and support services. So I am sure that I could tell you much more about the Toussaint Academy, but I will move to giving you a little information on our two guests. Danielle Bush is the program manager for all of the residents, the teen residents, and the one of the executive leaders, Danielle studied psychology at University of San Diego as served as a management team member at other nonprofits assisting families of children with development needs and started at the Tucson Academy three years ago as an adolescent residential counselor. She worked her way up to her current leadership position by bringing innovative and results-oriented programs 
and opportunities to the Academy. Mark Lim is a very active and innovative activities coordinator. He studied business management at San Diego State, and his um, passion is ensuring that teens who don't have the usual upbringing experience have an opportunity to um, experience and attend relevant community activities, culture, cultural enrichment, things that we might take for granted, such as a baseball game or attending the opera. And now, Mark and Danielle will share with you a little bit more of their background, and we will go into our discussion with them. So welcome, Danielle and Mark, and would you like to start by just sharing a little bit more about how you got into your current positions? Uh, Okay, I'll go first. Um, For me, um, I started out uh, out of college working a lot of... um, startup companies. I started in San Diego working some startup uh, biotech companies and then uh, did some sales and um, what I think what I was looking for in in my career uh, as I found out later was I was looking for a cause rather than a uh, a check. Um, mm-hmm. So the nonprofit world drew me in actually I started um, I got laid off in 2008 um, during the uh, the downturn, and I started volunteering at uh, St. Vincent de Paul um, at their location downtown. I remember it when I was in college, and it was always a place that you can always get some community service or help out the community. And um, I decided to go there and you know dedicate my time to something uh, positive, and I really enjoyed it. It really brought perspective and purpose in in my time and my life. So. I was lucky enough to see if there was a position available. I started working um, at the the village for the family section and worked with the little kids um, at their location off of Imperial. And um, I learned about the the teen program, um, the Tucson teen program that they had at the village. It was uh, I was really unaware of it um, for a number of years, and then when I heard about it was specifically for teenagers and for the development and helping them strive to live successful lives. I, I really wanted to become part of that. So I took the opportunity, just knocked on the door, and um, just kind of worked my way in here. And uh, as, as luck would have it, the person who had the position I have now was leaving on uh, maternity leave. So they were looking for someone to take care of it in uh, in the interim, and eventually became my position, and it's been wow. uh, it's been a really great experience. It's it's offered me a lot of uh, opportunities to to collaborate with lots of different people in the community, uh, volunteers, organizations, and to use the skills that I've I've learned and um, throughout my career experience to to bring those opportunities and different perspectives and programs into Tucson. So. Um, it's been it's been a really great experience for me. Wow, that's very, I love to hear your story and your passion. And how about you, Danielle? Well, like you mentioned, before I began working in the nonprofit sector, I actually worked in management for a financial services company, and so I was helping people with estate planning and insurance and retirement and that sort of thing. And 
Although the work I was doing, I felt like it was important. Like Mark, I still had this feeling of wanting more. So um, that's how I began my journey into the nonprofit sector. Uh, I started at a small agency, and we served families with kids who were diagnosed with developmental disabilities. And I actually found out about Tucson. I was driving by one day, and I saw the sign. It said Tucson Academy. And I initially thought it was a school, and I went home and and looked it up on the Internet, and I found out that it was a residential program that served homeless youth, and I was just, I have to work there. I, I have to get a job there. And, and so there was, a, there was an opening, and, and I applied, and I started out in the direct care staff position working as a counselor with the youth, um, and then a leadership position became available soon after, and um, here I am today. So I started in my current role in 2012, and I love being here. I love what we do um, as an agency as a whole. I love what we do here in this program, and, and we have some really great kids. So that's, that's how I ended up here. So let's take a step back for a minute for those folks who can't quite imagine what a Toussaint Academy looks like, feels like. Would you describe the physical facility as it is placed smack dab in the middle of downtown San Diego, California, and kind of the flow in the day of a resident. So they live there. And, um, yeah, kind of like a typical day of a resident, when staff sees them, what they do all day, et cetera. Not, not in great detail, but just the big picture. Okay, the big picture. Um, I guess to, pa- to paint that story, uh, Tucson Academy is located in... in uh, 1404 Fifth Avenue. It is a converted office building. Um, so from the outside, it would look pretty much like any other kind of building downtown, although there is, um, it looks like a, like a top of a church design outside, and you, you'll see some stained window on there, but it basically uh-huh. looks like any other, any other office building. Um, inside the building, however, we've, we've taken great pains to to give it kind of a homey feel, um, you'll see that inside that there's um, a lot of artwork done by the kids. There's paint um, that differentiates each 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 floor. Um, we we try to give that kind of um, home feel to the place since it is you know for these kids they're home for a number of years. Um, they live here. They eat here. Um, they stay here for you know as long as we we can hold them in for four years or even longer sometimes. Um, as for their you know their typical day, um, part of our requirements is that they do go to school. So our kids will get up in the morning, um, depending on what time they have to go to school. They might wake up at five or six o'clock in, in the morning, get ready, eat breakfast, go out, and then go to the schools um, and come back and check in usually by. Uh, four o'clock. And, and they're in high school, day. most of them? Yes, right now they're, all of them are yeah. in high school, yeah. Uh-huh. And so they check back in, they kind of congregate, getting ready to be homework, and they all have a bedroom, right? And, but they come into the common area where they might do their homework or eat their dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, add, um... When they come in, they, they can kind of check in. They check in with staff and make sure that they're here. We, we keep track of um, their comings and goings. Um, 
at 4.19, we have uh, a meeting which we call Touchdown. It's we, where we check in with the, the residents. Uh, we let them know about uh, the plans of the day, if anything will change activities or expectations or changes of the rules, any announcements that we need to do. Um, and after that, we have homework time, which you know comes from about 4.30 to 5.30 p.m., um, and then dinner follows from 5.30 to about 6 o'clock. And then about 6.30, we start cleaning up uh, the kitchen and doing chores. Uh, part, of our, part of our licensing is that we have to do, we maintain the building and make sure it's a safe and clean environment for the residents. So um, part of their duties is to do chores and, and clean up around the building and do such things. Um, so we do that. And then usually by about... 7.30, we have optional activities for the day, or we might have uh, a certain class. We, have a, uh, we do have w- one mandatory class a week that uh, teaches life skills to our residents. Um, and then after that, we have storm time around 10 and lights out by 10.30. So it, it is a very structured, um, planned routine for our, for our residents when they're living here. And one that's thing- probably very... Oh, go ahead, Danielle. One thing that I was going to say that's noteworthy that we usually get feedback from people that have come here for the first time and gotten a tour is how big the, the facility looks. It's really deceiving from the outside. Mm-hmm. The youth, um, there's no more than two youth to a room. They also have the option of having a single room. All of the youth have computers in their room. We have a computer lab. We have an art room, a music room. So part of Mark's role um, is he offers a variety of activities to the youth to really keep them um, engaged in extracurriculars, and we have a lot here to offer. In the rec room, we have a pool table. They um, have video game consoles. So there's really a lot to do here within the program. And then at dinner time, we also have a chef that cooks dinner for them Monday through Friday. So really try, like like Mark said, we go to great pains to try to make it feel like as much of a home as possible. Yeah, it's, I was quite touched myself when I toured the first time, looking at the rooms that they live in, it felt very much like college dormitory-type style rooms um, at the respect, at the great rooms where people can all come together in just a variety of different um, uh, opportunities for them to meet in small and large groups, etc., Um, I am hearing the cue that lets me know it's time to take a break, but what I would like to plant in our minds when we get back, let's talk a little bit about some of the issues you encounter as leaders in this environment. So we will be right back. Stay with us. Don't change your Internet channel. And we will be right back. Thank you. This is Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Where is the best place to put your money? Rick Saylor with co-host Eric Hamburg will take the mystery out of investing in order to keep your hard-earned wealth performing and protecting to its maximum potential. Listen for Straight Talk, Clear Decisions, live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Okay, we're back. This is Linda Shue, hosting this episode of Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders and Inspiring Solutions. We are here today with Danielle Bush and Mark Lim from the Toussaint Academy, uh, and this nonprofit organization provides services for homeless teens and helps them stabilize their life by providing a safe and secure environment, by helping them continue their education, and by helping these teens to become self-reliant so that they can move forward to live a successful life. Um, prior to the break, we had just started talking about some of the leadership issues um, that probably many nonprofits are facing. Um, and always my favorite leadership thing to talk about is the vision, the positive side. And so I asked you, Danelle and Mark, um, how do you actively share the vision of Toussaint Academy and inspire others to donate, participate, I know I was inspired when Danielle made a phone call reaching out to look for somebody to do some team building, and suddenly I found myself completely impassioned and eager to do as much uh, work to help out the Tucson Academy uh, as I could, and I take that under my wing proudly and do all of that with an open heart and pro bono. So how do you, Danielle and Mark, inspire others to get as excited as I did? 
Well, um, I think there's a number of ways that we do that, and we thank you again for all of your support for um, <laughs> from us here at Tucson Academy because, again, we are a nonprofit, and, and a lot of our funds and program costs and things do go towards helping these um, unaccompanied youth. So when we're able to collaborate with wonderful people such as yourself, it, it really helps improve the program. So um, first and foremost, when, when people are interested, well, obviously, I, I kind of cold-called you, uh, when we look for something and, and we just try and identify a need that we have within the agency, and don't be afraid to ask and go out there and see if there's someone who can meet that need or provide that resource for us. Um, collaborating with other agencies and other nonprofits is huge when we identify those gaps in services that we're not able to provide that maybe someone else can do a better job of providing um, for our youth or even for our staff or, or whatever that need might be. Um, and then so once you identify what that is, um, really capturing what you need and then asking, does that person want to come learn more about the program? And um, one thing that's been really successful is when people want to come learn about our program, they come here and see the actual uh, academy. They come take a tour. Our residents typically give the tour if they're here um, after school. And so you get to see firsthand the residents enjoy doing it, that. It's, they volunteer, and, and they explain to you firsthand about the structure of the program, about the artwork on the wall that they may have done themselves, about the awards. Oh, let me interrupt you, if you don't mind. Why yes. is it the Toussaint Academy? It relates to the artwork. Would you explain that to our listeners? Uh, well, um, Tucson Academy is, we do a lot of the art program here because um, it's such a good coping skill, and we, um, you know, it's called, it was called Tucson Academy of the Arts and Sciences because it's really... Uh, formally, um, when we have the school here, we were really focused on that. But even though we don't have a school here any longer and the youth go outside to schools, it's really an important part, I think, of um, an outlet and healthy coping that the youth can incorporate into their lives. So we have a music program and an art program and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. I was so impressed by the art and touch and the feel of having all of that there, but go ahead and carry on with the vision. Our youth are so creative and talented, and so it's great to have them to have this stability to provide provided to them so that they can hone in on those talents. Um, so, yeah, so the, the youth will give the tour and, and talk about the program, and that really, um, anyone that comes and learns about the program and hears firsthand from the youth what an impact that it's having on their lives, really that in itself just speaks volumes. Um, another way that we're sharing our vision and inspiring others in the community is we're, we're actively involved in the community and we're a member of the Homeless Youth Task Force. So um, we're on a task force with other community service providers and identifying gaps within the community of San Diego and locally and seeing how we can partner with each other and help each other out. Um, and then lastly, I would say inspiring others to take actions. A huge part of that is, you know, being a leader in nonprofit is hiring the right people. So mm. like Mark mentioned earlier, no one gets into nonprofits for money. They're not here for a paycheck. They're really passionate about what they do. And a lot of times my inspiration comes from the staff that I work with because they're all here 
working so hard, wearing so many different hats, so many different roles, ready to do anything with a smile on their face, that it just is an inspiration in itself. You know, it's just the positivity and carries over. And are you see that they they feel that the staff really care about them. So that's kind of yeah. our vision. <laughs> And I saw the youth and provide awards to the staff, so it seems like the feeling is mutual that the staff really enjoys them as people and they get mentoring and caretaking and guidance and so it's a very mutually reciprocal relationship is my view of it. Yeah. Would that be accurate? A huge part of what we do here is building attachment and connections with the youth. It's not just mm-hmm. providing that stable housing, but it's really that relationship that helps the youth to heal from any past trauma and grow and develop into self-sufficient adults. And just for clarification, um, these youth are not um, what you would think of as juvenile delinquents. They became homeless from things that were not their own fault. Is that, could either of you comment on that? Yeah, I mean, all of our kids, you know, basically all have, you know, different stories of what, where they came from and why they came here. But, you know, the common thread is that at some point in time, um, you know, living at home was not, you know, was not a safe situation or they weren't able to continue um, with that process for the families, they might have gone homeless or whatever the story might be, but these are generally um, really good kids who, by happenstance, have become, you know, technically homeless. Um, you know, could have been bouncing off couches, couch surfing, or and, you know, easily parents became laid off and and or unable to take care of them. Um, and, and unfortunately, it, it, it was all too common that especially you know around here that um, kids are are just kind of falling through that, those kind of cracks and unknown and 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 it's hard for them for their families to to support them so um, they're generally really good kids who've unfortunately been exposed to a lot of trauma in their lives um, and that's part of the program or the activities that you coordinate and provide is some of that counseling, or can you say a few words about that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things that we use, we do here and you know, we could still continue to do are, are, are trauma-based. Uh, we work on, you know, helping them get over, overcoming uh, their past traumas and, and create those attachments with, those healthy attachments with staff and other people. So, uh, Danielle's mentioned before, we have a lot of art programs, so really from believer in art therapy, uh, music therapy. We had um, therapy animals here, a uh, therapy animal program here for a little while. Um, uh, I believe in really kind of letting them be kids, uh, let them have the experiences to to learn and to grow, um, the typical things that a parent would do uh, with their children, to expose them to the world and show that there's a lot of other possibilities out there and that the world is a big dynamic place and that they will develop and find their spot and where they belong in it. Um, so it's so we have like a very... Being... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, we, have, we, we do have that continuum of care and, and try to be very holistic here. 
Mm-hmm. It's almost like you're leaders from two points of view. You're leaders running a business, be it nonprofits, and you're leaders and role models as guardians and surrogate parents almost. So um, that really puts you in the spotlight for all of you as a leadership team Um in a double spotlight for being on your best behavior and walking the talk. Oh, absolutely. Any inconsistencies? We have 30 teenagers here. They're quick to point point anything like that out. So at all times, we have to mind our P's and Q's here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is a job. I mean, there is a very big, you know, the business sense about it, and it is, but you're also, you know, you're also a role model, uh, maybe a, almost like a surrogate parent to, to a lot of these kids. It is, you know, it is, you know, as parent, if you're a parent, your most important job is to be a parent to your child. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, parents know that, and this is kind of the role that we take here. Um, yeah, we have boundaries, and we are very respectable of that. We're professionally trained, but we, we kind of fall into into that kind of role with these, with our clients here. Um, so it is a very... It is a very demanding job, but it's also a very rewarding job in that, in that movie. Yes, I can uh, see that, and I have seen that as I've spent um, several afternoons with all of your staff uh, focused on issues of growth and leadership and being a even higher-performing uh, leadership and management team. Um, Anything that you want to contribute, Mark, in terms of um, how you maybe from the activities or uh, standpoint inspire others to take action? Um, yeah. Um, I've had some sales jobs before, and this has actually been probably the easiest sale I've ever had to do. <laughs> <laughs> the, the kids here sell, sell this program. Um, if you can get um, anyone down here and have them take a tour and see see the kids, see how, see how talented they are, see how how you know relative, how positive their outlook on life is. They will become enthralled and fall in love with this program. It's mm-hmm. it, it is uh, it, it just it just tugs on your heart here. Um, That's exactly what happened to me and watching each and every one of you all as staff and uh, team being leaders in your own right to influence. And I'm hearing the music that we need to take a break. I also heard previously that we have an unexpected, very... um, uh, very relevant guest who will additionally be joining us after the break. So stay tuned and we'll be right back continuing to talk about Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. Thanks so much. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello, and thank you for staying with us on Leadership Matters, where we strive to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Linda Schub, your host, and I am joined today by two leaders from the Toussaint Academy in San Diego. The Toussaint Academy is a residential homeless youth facility or a facility for homeless youth where they live and um, are uh, counseled and attend school and have other supportive services provided for them. It's an amazing organization, and one of the things that we have talked about previously on this program with so many nonprofits is what happens to these teens when they, quote, age out of the system once they turn 18. And the Toussaint Academy um, has created a very innovative continuum of care model and actually provides ongoing residential um, services uh, in a program that they call Aftercare. And this is definitely a program, Danielle and Mark, that is a leading uh, effort in the industry. I think you may be one of the few residential facilities providing aftercare for those over the age of 18. Would you share a little bit about um, how that uh, became established and the leadership role 
and role model that you have provided? Yeah, sure. So one of the things that we uh, know to be a problem in um, this population is the um, youth who are 18 and then maybe exit out of the system as far as foster care. Um, I know that in L.A., one of the statistics is that 25% of youth that are in foster care become homeless after they turn 18. So that's, you know, a substantial number of youth. And then other statistics with the um, juvenile detention centers and things like that of of these youth that are falling through the cracks. So um, what we've created is a continuity of services and a safety net for youth who are 18. Our youth typically aren't in the system because they are unaccompanied homeless youth, um, but they still have that need for that continuity of services once they're 18. So um, if they're in our residential program and they turn 18, they've graduated high school, and a lot of our youth actually go on to four-year universities, and so they they go on and they have a stable place to live at their university um, in the dorm or, or something like that, housing within their college, but some of our youth might choose to work part-time and go to, say, a local community college. And so with the cost of housing here, it would really be difficult to focus on your education and and go to school um, and work at the same time to, to have a stable house um, and be able to afford to do that. So we've created what's called the um, graduate wing. So we have five apartments available, and they have a lot of flexibility. They have a hot plate there and um, kind of dorm-style rooms and a little kitchenette, and they are able to live there and work and go to school for up to 18 months after um, they exit our actual residential program and they move into our grad- graduate wing. So this provides them, like I said, that safety net so they can continue to save it. also teaches them life skills. We collect rent, per se, from them up to um, 30% of their income they pay every month in rent, but we don't keep that rent. We save it for them, and when they exit the program, they have a nice chunk of savings from that that they got used to paying that monthly payment, but they also have that now to put on a security deposit to go live somewhere else. And I found that to be one of the most uh, personally sensitive um, and caring things that you do because as I interact with my uh, colleagues or friends or their children who are in their early 20s, it's almost overwhelming to come up with down payments for apartments and cars and schools and, and that is just such a wonderful service that you do for them to save it for them and turn it back over. Another use of our graduate wing, um, which I really find to be amazing, is our youth that are in four-year programs sometimes during Thanksgiving break or Christmas break. Um, During these breaks away from school, everyone else is going home. And so some of these youth come back to Tucson and stay in our guest room in that graduate wing because... This is what was their home before they went to college. So so that way they have the connections with the people who supported them and, and also a stable place to stay over the break. Mm-hmm. 
So um, as uh, staff and as staff leadership, you have a 724-365 operation going on there to manage and lead and fulfill all the um, compliance uh, criteria. And there's probably quite a side to it that most folks don't see that is running the business. Yes, absolutely. We are licensed by community care licensing here in California um, as a group home. And so we are regulated by Title 22. So there's that whole licensing side of it. And then as well as, you know, the typical nonprofit um, challenges and associated with having the funding for the program and, and providing the staffing 24-7, like you mentioned, and, and all of that. Our, our program is majority majorly funded by HUD, um, mm-hmm. and then we have a development team that's amazing at the Father Joe's Village who um, supports us with our efforts in private grants and private donors, um, estate planning, that sort of thing. They, they secure our HUD funding, our city, city grants, um, so all of those sorts of things, and then we also have a an annual fundraiser called the Towerthon that that helps support some of that funding. Uh, hmm. And if I was an ordinary citizen that wanted to get involved and volunteer or donate, is there a place for that? Yeah, I am absolutely. an ordinary citizen. <laughs> <laughs> so absolutely. how would I do that? Um, so we have a couple different websites that you can look at. Our our larger agency is Father Joe's Village, like we mentioned, and their website is my.neighbor.org. Or also you can go to the Toussaint website at toussaintacademy.org, and the contact and donation information is available on those pages. We have a large volunteer program as well as, um, like I said, the development team and, and opportunities to donate. Our Towerthon is coming up in June. So anyone that wants to participate in that can. That's fabulous. Fabulous. Thank you. Um, Mark, do you want to share anything? Uh, as for that, um, no, the program, the aftercare program is, is I think, a very unique uh, aspect of what we do here. And, and not only that, the fact that we are actually, uh, I believe, one of the only long-term residential programs here in San Diego. So... Uh, we are a very unique program in that we have the time and and the resources to really help mold um, our our residents here, um, and we do provide that that safety net for for these residents that you know um, they wouldn't have any elsewhere. If you know you're seeing the trend of you know kids staying at home longer and taking longer to develop uh, nowadays and. Uh, uh, it's just it's hard to get out there as a young adult without, you know, having that safety net of family. So we're we're actually providing that uh, really tremendous need for them. So um, I think it's a it's looking from the outside in. It's it's a very unique and very um, special program that we have here. So if I as a citizen, um, I may not be able to come in and do something with the youth but I might be able to provide uh, baseball game tickets or uh, symphony or theater or something cultural 
um, or that kind of thing that would give them the opportunity to experience community uh, cultural events that they may not have an opportunity to attend. Is that the kind of thing that you're always looking for in terms of something novel or Oh yeah, I have a I have a my standpoint, personal standpoint is I'll I'll throw everything at my, at our kids and see what kind of what sticks. Um, mm-hmm. It's having you know thirty kids with thirty different interests and and exposing them to as much as possible. So if uh, I get a call from a donor who wants to take our kids to a play or an opera, I will try my best to make it work and and fulfill the needs of that donor and her kids. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I really take that 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 kind of attitude towards it. I I want to provide as much as I can for the kids while they're here. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I've been very lucky and very thankful for all the people that have helped me uh, over the last few years since I've been here. And honestly, the retention has been great. Once they get here and they, and they see the impact that they can have, they they generally want to help out as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely resonate with that because that's exactly what happened um, with me. Um, I think that a couple of the other things we'll want to talk about in our remaining time, I have a feeling we're going to take a break shortly here, but um, I'm curious if you have any personal um examples of specific experiences that have really touched you, um, how you see the difference in the lives of these teens, and, of course, the ubiquitous nonprofit question, how do you know if you are successful? So... Um, how do you know? if you are successful in terms of the outcomes. Um, I know that you have some of your uh, aftercare residents who have gone on and come back and tell their stories and motivate um, the current residents. Are there other ways? So I, I think the answer to that question is kind of twofold. There's the qualitative side. Um, where, you know, we have tons of success stories and personal experiences that we love to share with people of different youth who came into our program and um, turned their lives around and, um, you know, seen a lot of successes in their life transitioning to adulthood. And then there's also the side um, which I focus on is more of the program evaluation and the um, the actual quantitative and the numbers and, and looking at that thing's so, mm-hmm. um, and I will ask you, Danielle, pardon me for the interruption, but I will ask you to share with us a little bit more about both the qualitative and the quantitative after we take this short break. So once again, stay tuned for our last segment of this afternoon. We are Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders and Inspiring Solutions. We'll be right back. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hi, everybody. Thanks for staying tuned in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. I'm Linda Schub, your host for this episode. I always want to say hostess for this episode. And I have with me Danielle Bush and Mark Lim from the Toussaint Academy, which is a homeless youth residential uh, facility that helps youth become self-sufficient as they are um, aging and they get education and a continuum of care. And we were just about to take off the final segment with some uh, examples or personal stories of the changes that um, the uh, residents experience and that the staff experience and how some of the leadership issues help the leaders grow. So I think, Mark, if you'll give us a couple examples of your personal experience in seeing um, how the leadership role of the staff helped turn these teams into leaders themselves. Gosh, um, so many. Um one particular story comes to mind. Uh, there was a, uh, a resident I used to work with here, um, actually when I was at the family section, so he was a few years younger um, than the requirements here. So I've, I've seen him grow up for, for quite some time now. Um, and uh, I kind of lost track of him uh, for a few years when he, when he left the, the family's program and he got, he got referred here to Toussaint, so I saw him again. And, and in that period of time, he, he changed 
quite a bit. Um, life on the streets had had hardened him. He uh, became uh, very distant and uh, um, a, a different person than I saw. But you know, through the time living here and and at Tucson, he became began to reengage. He became uh, a leader among among the other residents here. He kind of took the the mantle of of being a bigger brother to mm. a lot of the other um, male residents here. Uh, they kind of looked up to him as a role model. He was a little older when he got here, and he he made that mental choice to to change. You know what he would want to become in his life. Um, growing up, his all of his his father was in prison. His family was in and out of shelters. Uh, a lot of them were were into a gang activity, and and he was really being led down that road. Uh, and he he made a decision early on that this is not what he wanted for himself. So he focused on school. Um, did credit recovery to to finish high school and became that became that leader um, for himself and and for the other residents here and and what we did as staff uh, is basically just help guide him um, and help him give him advice help him make his decisions that he needs uh, to do so make that, a better that, choice in life mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's hard for him he has well, he faces a lot of a lot of trauma, a lot of issues, not only with what he has with his life, but continuing with his family as some of them might try to bring him, you know, bring him back down to to the lifestyle yeah. that he had before. And those are going to be ongoing issues for him. But he is striving against that. And I commend him because that is a, a real difficult situation to to break those chains and, mm-hmm. and to go forward. And, and have he, it. Yeah. And have it, yeah. Yeah, and he, he is really thriving right now. He's currently in our aftercare program um, and working really hard to um, work in college and working and improve his life. That's fabulous. So, as I said before, it's multiple faces of leadership, and I'm sure you could tell us 10 or 20 more stories just like that. Um, I do want to kind of move to the how do you know question, and Danielle, I think you have some quantitative and qualitative information about what do you measure and how do you know what you're doing is working. Yeah, so um, our agency, uh, the Father Joe's Village, is Southern California's largest residential homeless service providers. Um, um, So we've been providing innovative programs and services since 1950. So we really try to be a leader even within the region of, as far mm-hmm. as um, in the homeless service provider industry, I guess you would say. Um, and so our, our agency mission is to re- prevent and end homelessness one life at a time. So how we try mm-hmm. to achieve this is providing outcome-based programs in the spirit of our creed. So just to talk a, a second about what our creed is, is it's something that we try to encompass with all of our interactions with our clients, with our staff, with the community in general. Um, and it stands for compassion, respect, empathy, empowerment, and dignity. And so, that's your so statement that, of values, right? It, it is. It, it's mm-hmm. it's part, of, part of what we just try to 
integrate in everything that we do. Now, as far as our outcome-based programming, what is, how is that looking like? What, what's, what's becoming a result of, of the CREED and the other services that we're providing? Um, we evaluate that based on a logic model system. So we create different targets and goals. And um, some of these goals are based on some of our funding requirements, such as HUD. Um, mm-hmm. So our five core outcomes are based on the Federal Strategic Plan to End Homelessness, created an amendment in 2013 to ending youth homelessness by 2020. And they described um, strategies for homeless youth service providers to end youth homelessness. And these outcomes that they suggested that we use to measure our housing, permanent connections, income, income and employment, education, and well-being. So we've encompassed all of that into our logic model. And so we measure that on a quarterly basis and also annually to see our youth that exit, how did they perform in these outcomes. So, for example, last year, um, over 90% of our teens were enrolled in school or graduated or earned a GED at the time of their exit. So I believe that... Yeah, some of our outcomes are, are really great, and, and I believe program evaluation is an integral part of what we do here for a number of reasons. I think it's important for all nonprofits. Um, one, because um, I actually create a PowerPoint, so we have a visual of how we're doing in these, in these key areas, and I'm able to present it to the staff so they can really see the impact that they have on these youth and, and how their hard work pays off. So oh, really that shows. is so important for the staff to be motivated by that. Absolutely. And I think you also present, we have like 22 seconds left, you also present that up to the board too so that they can see your success um, as you continue to uh, develop and fulfill your outcomes. Mm-hmm. So once again, could you tell us the website in case anybody wants to contact you? Yes, so um, our agency website is my.neighbor.org or our um, program website is TucsonAcademy.org. Okay, and I thank you both very, very much. And the music is over and the next show is going to start. So I invite all of our guests to tune back in next week, same time, same station for Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. Have a great day. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.